This program is brought to you by Bobbleway Media, under the oversight of the elders of the Chipman Road Congregation in Lee Summit, Missouri. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. You know, whenever I was going through the school of preaching, one of the instructors said that everything that you see and everything that you hear or read will become a lesson. And this is one of those examples, this is an example of one of those that did. There was a song that came out in the 1970s that's entitled Phone Call from God. You may have heard it if you're that old. It was produced or or sung by a man by the name of Jerry Jordan. The song was intended to be funny, and it is, but it showed how most people that call themselves Christians would react if they had a phone call from God. It begins this way. You hear the phone ringing in the background, and he says, and I quote, Hun, the phones are ringing. Will you get it for me, please? I'm trying to watch old Johnny. He just came on. What? Get it myself. Confounded every time something like this comes up. It's always me. Always me. I have to be the one that answers the phone. Hello? Hello? Unquote. How many of us are too busy to answer the gospel call. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15, it says there, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. Well, we go back to Exodus chapter 3, and let's look first of all there at Exodus 3, verses 9 through 11. Exodus chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. God speaking to Moses there at the burning bush stated this, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, And I've also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? You know, how often that we have the opportunity to speak to someone about the Bible, to speak to someone about Christ, maybe to invite them to services, to a gospel meeting, or to whatever, and instead of using the opportunity to do that, we make some excuse in our own mind, and we refuse to do that. 
Well, in Exodus chapter 4 now, look at Exodus chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Moses again speaking. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you what you shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be even, he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. Now you know the excuse that Moses is here making. God is telling him all through this conversation, Moses will say something and God will go, well, I'll handle that. This will be it. And then Moses finally said, send somebody else. Send somebody else. How often again, whenever we have that opportunity, do we say, well, that's somebody else's job to go and speak to others. You know, I don't want to make them mad. I don't think I'm qualified to do that or whatever. We just make excuses, just like Moses was doing. In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, Luke chapter 2, verse 49, Jesus there has been found by his parents. They'd been looking for him for a while. And when they found him, in verse 49, he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And then now what we are to be? Aren't we to be about our father's business in doing the things that he has commanded us to do? Whether that be obeying the gospel or spreading the gospel or whatever there. Well, let's go back to the song. <clears throat> and I'm not going to do the entire song. That thing's about 14 minutes long, but I want to pick some of the specifics out of the call. Quote, long distance. Yeah, this is me. Who is this? What? What do you mean am I a Christian? I don't know. Who's a calling? Unquote. We ask ourselves, do you really know if you're a Christian or not? In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, let's see what a Christian is. Acts chapter 11, verse 26, says, And when he had found him, that being Apollos, had found Saul of Tarsus, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. That verse gives us an explanation of what a Christian is. It says the disciples were called Christians. A disciple, the word there, the Greek word, according to Strong's, is defined this way. A learner, a pupil. 
The word Christian, Strong's defines as a follower of Christ. And then it also mentions being a member of the church. So Christians are those who are learning from Christ and following him. So that gives us an idea there, a definition of what a Christian is. Jesus describes what a Christian is in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Whenever we look at this, Jesus is describing how you and I are to live our lives. If we want to follow him, the first thing he says we have to do is deny self. Deny self and put God first. Matthew 6:33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we have to deny ourself, our desires, our wants, and you know, there's things that get in the way of us following God. But then he says, and take up his cross daily. Taking up the cross means to die. Whenever you go back and you look at ancient times, the one who was going to be crucified carried that cross beam of his cross to the place where he was crucified. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. We need to die to self daily. Uh, Galatians 2.20 might be a good example of that, where Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. For the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we are crucified with Christ. We crucify ourselves daily, and then after that, we can follow him. Well, maybe you're almost a Christian. Well, what is an almost Christian? Acts chapter 26, verse 28 tells us that. Acts chapter 26, verse 28. Then said, uh, then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You know, there's a song in the song books that says, Almost persuaded. But the last part says, Almost but lost. In Mark chapter 10, here's another example of someone who almost followed Christ. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. Mark 10, 17 through 22. And when he, that being Jesus, was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, 
Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. You know, this is an individual who said he was going to follow him. He wanted to have eternal life, and what did he need to do? Jesus told him there's one thing lacking in his life. He was almost a follower of Christ, but he wasn't willing to pay the price. He wasn't willing to die to self daily because his riches are what he trusted in. He obeyed God as long as God agreed with what the way he wanted to live his life. But when God disagreed with the way that he wanted to live his life, he turned away. He almost was a follower, but he failed. Maybe do you suffer as a Christian? First Peter chapter 4 verses 15 and 16. First Peter chapter 4 verses 15 and 16 says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet, if any man will suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. The word suffer there is translated from the Greek word that means, according to Strong's, to experience a sensation or impression usually painful. How painful is it whenever we are living our Christian lives? Do we suffer as Christians? If we don't suffer as Christians, maybe we need to do some self-examination. Well, looking at being almost a Christian, how do we act around our friends? How do we act around our friends? In Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. So whenever we are around our friends, are we ashamed to call ourselves a Christian? When we're around Christian friends, are we ashamed to say how we really live? Well, going back to the song, and I quote, after he had said, who's a Colin? He starts stuttering. Uh, did you say uh, heaven? Uh, hello, Lord. I've been a Christian a long time. Haven't you heard from, you haven't heard from me in quite a while, so you thought you had better call? <laughs> haven't heard from me in quite a while. 
Yeah, I remember watching an old Western one time, and the old cowboys there saying, you know, God, I haven't bothered you in a long time, and, and I probably won't bother you again for a good while, but can you help me in whatever predicament he was in? The question arises there, how often do we pray? We have a couple of examples in the Bible of how we should pray. In Psalm 55, look at verses 16 and 17. Psalm 55, verses 16 and 17. It says, As for me, I will call upon the Lord, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened, in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. How often do we pray? Well, you know, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase the song here. Well, God, you know, last night my wife and I talked about that we need to get down on our knees. That, you know, while we were watching Johnny Carson, we needed to get down on our knees and talk to God talk to you. So I intended to last night after I turned off the TV, but I didn't. Or maybe, you know, us today, maybe maybe when I came home from the ball game, I intended to, but I didn't. Well, the guy in the song then says, and I quote, I'm going to say my prayers tonight whether I need it or not. Yes, sir. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. How long has it been since we uttered a prayer that was maybe outside of the worship services? In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it shows us one of the benefits of prayer. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't worry about it. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And notice this, verse 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We're going to go some th through some things in this life that are hard for us to get through. But if we'll just cast everything on God by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, there's a peace from God that will come. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, Peter says there, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. How do we cast our cares on God? Through prayer. 
God cares for us. God will take care of us. Let that peace of God come into your life. Well, let's go back to the song. Quote, Yes, sir, I go to church. Yes, sir, every Sunday. I'm a faithful member. I sure am. Uh, last Sunday? Unquote. Are we really faithful in our attendance? In Hebrews chapter 10, look at verses 25 through 27. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 25 through 27. It says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Now you'll notice there in the first part of that verse, it doesn't say not forsaking the assembly. Assembly would refer to one, but this says the assembling when the saints are assembled. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, Luke chapter 4, verse 16, Jesus gives us an example there. It says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Well, the question is, is my custom, is it your custom, like it was for Jesus to assemble on the day of worship in the assembling of the saints? Or are we just faithful most of the time? You see, think about this. If you're driving a car and your car starts six out of every seven times you try it. Is the car faithful? Can you depend on the car if it starts six out of every seven times? If you're married, let's say your spouse only cheats on you once a month, but they're faithful all the rest of the month. Are they faithful? Well, what about our attendance to services? Are we faithful just most of the time? Well, going back to the song, you know, he mentioned something about last Sunday. He goes, quote, well, what, what did the preacher preach on? Well, uh, you know how the preacher is, don't you? He preaches on a platform, unquote. Do we really pay attention to what's being taught or are our minds distracted with other things? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4, Paul says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. 
you know, stopping there for a minute, maybe the guy couldn't remember what the preacher taught on because the preacher didn't teach on anything. But maybe the preacher did. Maybe he did preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves, teachy, or themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. You know, if he was listening to someone who was doing that, now there's no reason for him to remember. But how are we? Do we really paying attention and applying to our lives the things that are stated in God's word whenever we listen to a lesson? Let's go to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Nehemiah 8, 1 through 3. says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man, into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women and all that could hear with understanding, upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. What would happen if the preacher got up and spoke from the morning till midday? <laughs> we might be late getting down to the restaurant. We got to beat the Baptist down to the restaurant. Well, I can't sit here that long. Well, that's that. Oh, he just oh, he don't big windbag. Can't he ever shut up? Well, but here in the example we have, the men and the women, and those that could understand, us children. And their ears were all attentive to the book of the law. Well, let's go back to the song. Quote, Sunday night? Oh, no, no, Lord, I didn't make it Sunday night. Lord, I, I uh, sir, uh, Bonanza, unquote. You know what excuses do we use? to miss services well let's go back to the song let's hear some here quote I was planning on going but I got to sitting around Sunday afternoon and a thinking and I said to myself you know the next day's Monday and uh, uh sir oh yes sir it's been that way a long time I reckon but I got to thinking that I need my rest unquote Goes on talking about how I work hard all week and I don't have that much time to rest and how tired I am and go back to the song. Quote, Sunday before last? Well, Lord, you know, you just picked on a couple of bad ones here. 
but you know, I worked so hard all week, and Sunday before last was such a pretty day and everything, and uh, I didn't go to church. Lord, I tell you, I went out and, uh, uh, sir, oh, you know where I went, huh? Yes, sir, I caught two bass and four crappie, unquote. Yeah, you know, God knows what we do, doesn't he? He knows why we do what we do and what we do. Well, back to the song. Uh, quote, what time did I get home that night? From fishing, you mean? Well, it was about 10.30 that night. Yes, sir, it was probably a lot later than if I'd gone to church that night, but, but fishing is different, sir. Uh, it ain't different, unquote. And then he says again, quote, Well, I couldn't go to church no ways because my wife was homesick and somebody would have had to stay with her, unquote. You see, I could go fishing, or I could play golf, or I could go to the ball game, or etc., etc., etc. Any excuse will do when we try to justify our absence. In Revelation 21, 8, Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, John wrote there, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. You know, whenever we make excuses for missing services or whatever, are we not just lying to ourselves and lying to God as well? Well, let's go back to the song and do another point. Quote, Yes, sir, yes, sir, I give to the church. I sure do. I give to the church every Sunday. Sir, yes, sir. Uh, every Sunday that I go, unquote. And then he says, quote, I gave $58 to the church last year. What do you mean you don't think I understand what good stewardship means to good? Unquote. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Paul wrote, Moreover, it is, re moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. A steward is a person who oversees the goings-on of another person's house. And isn't that what we are doing? We are in charge of handling what God over his house, what he has left us to do. Well, what about our giving? In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, Paul wrote, now concerning the collection for the saints as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So how is our giving to be as we have been prospered? 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, in other words, we want to make known to you, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How then in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power. They were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You see, whenever we give, if we will give ourselves first to God, everything else is just going to fall in line. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. The word cheerful there from the Greek word hilaros, from which we get our word hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver, one who loves to give. Well, going back to the song, you know, he just said he gives $58 a year. Quote, how much do I make? Uh, you're talking about money still? Uh, well, it was a little over $10,000. That doesn't tally too good, does it, Lord? Well, I told you before, and as soon as I get that boat motor paid for, you know, I just got the thing. Yeah, Lord, but if I don't pay off, pay off this boat and motor, they'll come and get it, and then I won't have one. Sir, you think if I don't start giving as I'm prospered, I ain't going to need no boat and motor down there? Unquote. He says, yes, Lord, that, that's pretty clear. That is clear. And he says, oh, around my kids? Influence, you mean? Well, yes, I'm a good Christian in front of the kids, unquote. Well, are we really good examples around our children? You know, in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now think about this compared to our, for our children, us and our children. Are our actions hidden from our children? Verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, or but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, and that letting your light shine before all men includes our family. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. It says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, I was teaching a high school class one time, and I just asked the question, how many of your fathers know how to push your buttons? Every teenager in there raised his or her hand. What are we doing to our children? Are we bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord or not? And then in the song, he says, and I quote, No, sir, not a word. I don't believe in it. And that's, uh, sir, what did I say when I got my thumb caught in the linen closet? You heard about that, huh? Unquote. You know, in Psalm 11, verses 4 through 7, Psalm 11, verses 4 through 7, it says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. Well, in the song, the singer there says, quote, Praise, yes, sir, I give praise. Yes, sir, I sure do. I was reading the Bible the other day. I picked it up and it said in Thessalonians to give the Lord the praise, unquote. How do we use our tongue? In James chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, James chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, James writes, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless, or bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. How do we use our tongue when there's no Christian friends around? How do we use our tongue when only worldly people are there. Well, let's go back to the song. Quote, Yes, sir, I sure do. I love that preacher. That's the preachingest dude I ever seen. Unquote. Uh, quote again, If he's such a wonderful preacher, then why don't I start doing more of what he says? Unquote. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, 
Paul there writes, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Going back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, we need to preach the word. And we need to live the word. And if we're preaching the word and we're living the word, then the things that we are speaking from the word of God are what's important. Well, let's go back to the song. The singer says, quote, Well, Lord, I, I thought I did pretty much what he says already. Sir, if I'm doing all he says, he must not say a whole lot. Unquote. Well, he may not be saying a whole lot. He may be like the denominational preachers that fit Matthew 15, 7 through 9. And this is all denominational preachers fit Matthew 15, 7 through 9. It says there, ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So if that's the kind of preacher the singer here in the song is listening to, <laughs> he may not be preaching much. And then the singer says this, quote, Well, Lord, maybe you should have called him instead of me. Unquote. Maybe that's the case. But people try to blame others on their failures, on their shortcomings. You know, an Old Testament example is King Saul back in 1 Samuel 13. 1 Samuel 13, verses 11 and 12. After Saul had offered a burnt offering on the altar, and Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, The Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. You see, Samuel, it's all your fault. I just did what I had to do. It's all your fault. Well, that's what he tried to do. Tried to justify his actions that way. Well, in the song, the, the singer says this, quote, Yes, sir, I realize that you must love us dearly, and giving your son to die on the cross, Lord, you know, and I do appreciate it, I sure do, unquote. But how many times do we tell God we appreciate him sending his son to die on the cross and then live like we don't appreciate it? Well, God's love for us was demonstrated in the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, God does care immensely for us. And we should always be aware of what Jesus did for us. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. It says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And it's because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that this can happen. And then the singer says this, quote, Oh, you got to go now? Well, now I tell you, Lord, I appreciate you calling, and uh, thanks for reminding me and all, and I'm going to start doing better, unquote. Whenever we talk about something like that, we're going we're gonna to start doing better. We may really mean it when we say it, and we may not. In Second Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, it says there, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. We need to remember these things that God did for us and that God commands us to do. You know, sometimes we're kind of forgetful as human beings. Then the singer says, quote, I'm going to rededicate my life right now, Lord, I sure am, unquote. And then in the song he mentions is going to services every time the day is open, taking an active part in the work of the church and praying for others as they have prayed for him. And then he says, quote, now, now you know how dependable that I am. And Lord, you can depend on me for doing that. Yeah, yeah okay, Lord. And thank you. Thank you so much for calling here. Goodbye now. He gets off the phone, and then, you know, in the little song, he calls the operator, and he says, Operator, would you look up that last phone call that just came to this number? Would you find out if it is collect or not? 
And he goes, oh, well, thank you. That's nice knowing it's not a collect call and stuff. And then he says, what's that, dear? Well, no, it wasn't the, the wrong number. Believe me, he had my number. In fact, I think he probably has a lot of people's numbers. But I can tell you one thing. The next time the phone rings, you can answer it. You needed it a whole lot worse than I did. Unquote. And isn't that the way we are? We rationalize. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm better than that person. Instead of going, I haven't measured up to Jesus Christ. You know, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, Revelation 20, verse 12, John wrote, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. As we look back on our lives, are we like the singer in the song? Do we know that day is coming? Are we preparing to, preparing for it? We need to pay attention and pay attention now because we are living this life and we need to be living it to make sure that when we are called out of this life, we're ready to meet God. Do we need a wake-up call? Well, again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in to be with us today, and we look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Way Media by visiting our website, BibleWayMedia.org. You can find all of our podcasts on all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.